Welcome. It's now time for Conversations on Real Life. Hi, how y'all Hello. doing? <laughs> really? <laughs> Go start, Jazz. Anyway. <laughs> I know. Already. <laughs> okay, I am so, so hyped today because really? me and my wife took part in the SOS um, War on Cancer concert last night. Oh, it was awesome. It was. I love it. It was. It was. It was a good show. It really was. And I didn't have to get all dressed up either. You know, it was cool. You said I didn't have to get all dressed up either. I didn't. You know, my daughter told me to go sexy. She said, don't go cute, mommy. Go sexy. I was like, look, we're going for comfort tonight. Okay. So, you know, I didn't put on the heels and show no leg or nothing. You know, I was just in some leggings and a shirt. But it was cool. I had a good time. A very good time. And dinner afterwards was great as well. So, anyway, it was a good evening, a very good evening. But I'm excited because, well, two reasons. Number one, I'm holding my grandson right now. So, if you all hear any noise, it's the baby. Mm-mm. Sorry about that. It's you and boy. <laughs> Right, just me and the boy doing our thing. But anyway, <laughs> the other reason I'm excited is because um, since October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, of course there are always uh, so many different events going on. And I thought about it long and hard and what we were going to do in honor of that to help bring awareness to domestic violence. And I decided that I want to discuss some of these myths that are out here floating around. You know, I went online and did a search for myths, and I found one website that had 19 myths listed. I was like, okay. And I read through them, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I want to take take these myths and talk about them so we can, um, well, number one, we know they're not all true, but I want to talk about them and find out what you guys think, um, because all of us have our different experiences regarding domestic violence slash abuse, and everybody's um, thought process is different. So I want to see where um, everybody's head is at. So I'll take the first myth. Um, well, the one that stood out to me was that victims of domestic violence are all low-income people. Now, I know um, what I think, but I want to hear, <laughs> I want to hear what you think, guys. I I definitely don't see that because um, um, while I know that they're and the will just we we know that men are abused as well, but um, yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that if you kind of broke too, you it's it's harder to beat on a woman if you broke too. Um, <laughs> they're just not having that. I think there's probably more abuse with people who have a substantial amount of money because it's like they don't want to lose the lifestyle. So a lot of times they won't say anything uh, to anybody because of that. You know, it just go and maybe buy, buy another dress or something to make them feel better. 
Um, oh. But I just can't see that, you know, you would you would a guy who's treating you bad and he's broke and no, you can't have both of them. Mm. Interesting. What do you think, Diana? I feel the same way. People don't think that um there's a form of financial abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like Jay said, you know, and with all abuse comes mental abuse mm-hmm. and emotional abuse, whether you choose to show it or not. You know, it's there, human nature. So, yeah, I I agree with you guys. I agree with Jazz. Both is definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What about about you, Matilda? I agree um, with with you all. um, And also, one of the things, too, is, you know, if if they want to get out of their homes, you know, they'll accept the views because they don't want to go back home and it's a place to, you know, lay your head. Goes back again, and you have no money, you have no education, you have no support. You know, whoever's giving you the love that's beating you is still going to stay there because that's your safety place, even though you're getting the beating. You know, you don't want to go home. You know, you want the lifestyle. Yeah, you want the there lifestyle. You go. Good way to put it. Want that lifestyle. Embarrassment. You know, yeah, embarrassment. You know, there are so many people who are in situations who have money. Nobody would ever know that they are being abused. And when I say abuse and domestic violence, I'm not talking about just the physical where you have the bruises or the twisted arm and all that kind of stuff. Like Diana alluded to, there's also economic or financial abuse. There is verbal abuse. There's emotional abuse. There's psychological abuse. There's control. There is sexual abuse. I mean, there's a whole range of things that fall under domestic violence. And most people automatically think, oh, well, you're getting beat on. That's not necessarily the case. person may never lay their hands on you, whether it's a woman who's being abused or being the abuser. They may never lay a hand on you, but it might be in the way they talk to you. It might be in the psychological torture they inflict upon you. It might be in the fact that they control all the money and it's a form of economic or financial abuse. It's just it's so deep. People don't realize how deep. And you know what's even deeper than that, LJ, is a lot of the pressure you get from the, you know, even just your friends and stuff. How many times have mm-hmm. any of you ladies ever broke up with somebody and people did not know, you know, the basis of your relationship, things that you were going through, and they're saying, hey, you broke up with him? You crazy. He was fine. Or, you know, he mm-hmm. got this, he got that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could have been being abused, and they have no idea. They're not mm-hmm. even thinking about that. They won't even say, oh, what what happened? I'm sorry to hear that, you know, just crazy. Mm-hmm. You're right. I had that wow. in high school. As yeah, I had, <laughs> I had friends that were going through that as well because they had the dope boy taking care of them, paying the bills, mm-hmm. and they were all dressed up cute. And when you meet up at the bathroom, you're like, well, what happened right there? You got a bump over, you know, I can't say nothing. I got hit. What? But because mm-hmm. he's paying the bills, he's helping, and, you know, she just want to be the pretty girl. And, I, and, and you know, it's beyond, it's beyond that because I know it's all psychological stuff that they're going through, and you know. But, again, he's taking care of everything. And some of us, you know, don't want to work. 
again, don't know anything different. Mm-hmm. Or don't feel you that you up. deserve better. Exactly. Yeah. Don't feel yeah. that you deserve some, better. You don't, you don't know your worth. Yeah. And right. some scared for their life, period. Right. Well, because, yeah, you're right, how, but, you know, some women are hearing, you, if you even think about leaving, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. when you force with, like, man, am I, how am I going to get out? How, you know, yeah. can I lose my life but my family get hurt? Some people are petrified. Yeah. They know yeah. how far and that person if, will go. Right. And then if you have children with this person, that's mm. another dynamic that you have to think about. So, you know, if you're, like, for instance, I was a teenager. I didn't even know I was in an abusive relationship. That's how naive I was. Yeah. I didn't even know. And, you know, so what the, a, like like you mentioned, Matilda, the kids, the other kids, the girls in school was like, girl, he love you. Look, he's so upset because mm-hmm. he don't want you talking to somebody else. I'm like, that's control. That so is control. Thank you for that. My seat. That's control. Yes. <laughs> that is. And that reminds yeah. me of me when my first, well, my daughter's father, I remember I was like probably 16, 17, 16, 17. And I remember I went to some Spanish club and I was coming back home and he was like, Oh, I didn't tell you to go out. And he had slapped me. I said, wait a second. Oh, wait a second. You know? And I'm looking like, this is, you know, my father, why you, you know, but I was the one that was going to fight mm-hmm. you back. Right. And I remember right. it, it happened back. again. And I said, Oh no, if I, if I stay in this, but uh, when I think about it and go back and I even was talking to my daughter about it, I was like, Oh, I forgot. That's right. I had to fight your daddy a couple of times. But he was drinking, he was into drugs, he was insecure. You understand? So when I look at him, I'm saying it was, oh, an excuse. But, you know, what he was doing wasn't right. So, you know, he just felt like, I guess, he can control. But on the other hand, he had one that was going to fight him back. And I was like, wait a second, you don't run me. Right. And I was like, oh, no, I can't be involved in this. I know. Guys, we have a caller, and I believe they want to say something. Let's see who this is, okay? Hello, caller 732. This is LJ. How are you? What would you like to say? Hello, this is Talia. I'm calling from Asbury, New Jersey. Okay. How's everything? Um, I'm Good. calling to chime in on a, a situation. Um, I was in a situation. I was only like 22. First little crush, boyfriend, my baby father. It took me three years to get out of the situation. Not oh, knowing, wow. I'm thinking like, oh, this is this is love. This is what it was. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I know you're not supposed to be treated like this. Every time I said something wrong or made the wrong move, it was always a hit here, a hit there. I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong? Because I, I swear I think I'm doing the right thing. But not knowing he's doing his dirt on the side but want me to look at look made me looking like I was the bad guy. But it took mm-hmm. me three years to realize you know, it wasn't right for me. And the way I got out of that situation, one day I was watching this movie and I seen somebody um, just like call the police and hung, hung up. So the situation was going on and I would call the police. Sure enough, I banged on that phone and I hung up because I didn't want him to know what I was doing because I would never knew what was going to happen if he knew I was calling the cops. So sure enough, I banged on the phone. They called back, of course, an anonymous number. And when they um, called back, I tried to act like nothing was going on because I knew the police would come after a while and keep calling them and playing on the phone. They will come out. They came out, and I just told them, like, you got to kindly get this man up out of my house. I'm being abused in my own house, 
and that was the end of it. Like, no more after that. I never looked back on the situation. Yes, I have kids by this man, but that's all it is. Nothing more, nothing less. But it took me three years to realize I was being abused by this person I thought that loved me. Wow. Thank wow. you for calling Thank in, you for Korea. You sharing your story. Yeah. There's no a lot problem. of people that need to hear that. Right. Like, it's hard to walk away at times, but, you know, after a while, a person, a woman, a man, whoever, they will know enough is enough before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, I'm, and I and love you, boo. You're a survivor because some people don't make it out. Right. Yeah, they don't make and it we out. We know them. Know. Male and exactly. female, we know them. We know those women exactly. who keep, catch their men cheating and, and yeah. you know, snap. Come on, they done made a whole show after it. This is not We, we just had a situation abused. about that. A person just didn't survive. A whole male just got his life taken away from abuse. Well, As if a man can't well, get abused either. Yeah. We, we yeah, just yeah. witnessed that. So it's sad. I was I just happy that. enough to get out of that. I'm happy you did too. Yes. It's sad because. Um, because of this whole society stigma of you like a man has no reason to put his hands on a woman ever, I've lost two friends because of that, because they tried to uh, walk away from an abusive woman and end up losing their lives about it. Right. Um, I want to say something. I want to say something because, you know, Kalia, we're from a small town, you guys. When someone is being abused, they shouldn't have to hold in what they're going through. So it's not about calling and bashing someone or being messy. It's about if you're man enough to put your hands on a woman, you deserve to be talked about publicly and discussed that abuse. You have to own up to it. So this is not a bashing. I don't want anyone to call or, you know, look at it in a way as Talia is bashing her kid's father. She's having a real open conversation. Yes. Exactly. Yes. If, if this was a couple of years ago when I was younger, I would have held it in, never told nobody, because then I would have been looking like, well, what is this person going to say about me? Oh, she get her behind kick. Exactly. She, you know what I mean? She, she letting this person do that. No, I'd rather for someone to speak out about it. Go get help. Go, you know, go tell the nearest person. Do never hold, never hold that in. Never. And oh, then really and you don't want to have resentment that. against your kids or, or nothing like that. You know, some people do have resentment against their kids. Like, oh, they look like that person or they act like that person yeah. only because of what they might have been through. Help out oh, there. There, so there is people to talk to. Wow. Thank you. Wow. I have to say, thanks for I, sharing, um, Talia. You're yes, welcome. Thank, thank you very for much. Me. Thank you. Welcome. Can you stay on the line? I'm on mute, but can you stay on the line? Yes. Okay. All right then. All right. I like the fact that she was brave enough to come forward with her um, situation. And I'm happy that she was able to get out of it because, like she said, a lot of people aren't able to do that. And I have a confession to make. Um, I was an abuser, okay? I have had (laughs) – I took some therapy, so now I don't have anger issues anymore, but I had a major problem with anger. And Mm -hmm. in my therapy, I found out that a 
good part of the reason was because I witnessed so much domestic violence as a child, and I had determined as a child, and when I say child, I mean three, four, five, six years old, I had determined that I was never going to let a man beat on me, that it was going to be him or me, and if I had to die protecting myself, then that's what I would do, and I was not going to give any man any chance to hit me, so once I got once I got married, whenever I got angry with my husband, I would be the one hitting. Now, I have to say, I'm married to a very, very great man because he never raised his hand at me one time. He didn't even shake me. He didn't even push me. He didn't even curse me out. Regardless of whether the anger was justified or not, he was a man, and he made sure that he kept an offensive position. He just never ever, ever retaliated the way that I was treating him. And I have to say I'm thank you to him for that because it could have been so much worse. We, both of us could not be here right now because I like to cut. <laughs> I would go get the knife. And that's not what you're supposed to do. It took me getting therapy. It took me getting some help to realize that I was an actual abuser. That's a hard pill to swallow, to realize that somebody that you love whether you're angry with them or not, that you actually display violence against them because you can't control yourself. So I had to find a way to get myself under control so that I don't do that. And I have to say in front of everybody that's listening to this podcast and anywhere else in the world, I apologize to my husband every chance that I get because he's a good man. And he didn't have to take that. He could have left. He could have been gone. But he didn't do any of that. I'm sorry, baby. It's all right. I still love you. I I know. I know that it was. I know where it came from, so you know um, it was easier to deal with. And I truly know that there were some things that I did that kind of just don't disorganize it because I stuff directed to me that wasn't initially directed towards me. So we were able to work it out without all the physical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have another caller. Hold on for a moment. Let me see who this is. Oh my goodness. Okay, caller. Four seven zero three twelve. You're on the air. This is LJ. How are you? Hi. How are you? My name's Alicia Griffin. I'm well. Hi, Talisha. Thank you for calling in. Hi. What would you like to say? Hi, Alicia. Hi, Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I first wanted to um, commend you on, on your honesty. I am a survivor of domestic violence. And um, in my relationship, I hit first. I did. And, um, and I had to come to grips with that, that, that opened the door for my husband at that time to feel as though this was the way that we were going to resolve our issues. And um, I did not know, he never disclosed to me all of his upbringing and um, I later found out that he was raised in a very, very abusive household. And they, they had made a drastic change. His father had joined the church. And so what I saw and learned was just that. But I didn't know the history behind it and how he even suffered um, as a child being abused by his dad and witnessing his mom and sister being abused by his father. And so I hit first. And that opened the door, and my marriage ended with, um, excuse me, 14 order of protections, um, wow. three arrests, two for him and 
one for me. And um, I now I have a charity that helps women um, that are survivors of domestic violence. And there's been a couple of times that I've served on panels where I've been very transparent about that. Here I am, a domestic violence advocate coming to serve on a panel to bring more awareness to this. And I use that platform as a confession. And it's hard because there have been times that mm-hmm. I've been booed. I've been booed and, know. you know, then afterwards, you know, they'll they'll listen. But that initial um, response to my honesty um, is is hard to deal with. But if you do you're just real with yourself. You know, that is, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. I I, I really, hmm. back at you, I appreciate your honesty. That is, it's difficult to do, but it's the beginning of the healing. You know, um, I'm glad, I'm glad that you survived. I'm glad that you're out of that relationship, but more importantly, I'm glad that you realized what the source of the problem was and where it stemmed from and that you got help. Right. That That makes all the difference in the world. Mhm. Thank you for sharing, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we do. Thank you. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to go ahead and take a break, and we can talk more about this when we come back. Okay, Alicia, I want you to hold on the line for me. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're listening to Conversations on Real Life. Infinity's Dope, a natural skincare company with CBD. Do you know what's in your skincare line? Probably not. Check us out at www.infinitiesdope.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Infinity's Dope. Have too much to do? No time for your family? Busy week, busy month? Call All-in-One Cleaning Service where we focus on clearing your space and allowing you to bond with your family. It is our job to take care of what you don't want to do on the weekends. 770-912-4878. All-in-one cleaning. Let us do all that needs to be done at home for you. Welcome back to Conversations on Real Life. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Conversations in Real Life. I know there's got to there's got to be some men out there that uh, want to tell their story. Um, <laughs> please give us a call. Give us a call five one five six zero five nine eight zero six. That's five one five six zero five nine eight zero six. So, um, I, I got a question because you said uh, for Alicia, you said there's multiple. Uh, Order of protection. How how long did you endure your uh, you know your 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 situation? I remained married for for seven years. Um, I had made my mind up within the third year that I was going to leave, um, but at that time I did not have the means to take care of my family, so I went back to school. And I pursued my bachelor's degree while enduring the abuse and parenting. And I'm also a caregiver for my um, cousin that's mentally challenged. And um, 
praise God, I made it out and graduated on time. And that bachelor's degree was the um, the wind beneath my wings, I should say, to help me get a better paying job where I could take care of my children. And um, it was difficult when I finally left um, and I um, pursued, I had to leave my home state, which is New York. And now I'm a resident here in Georgia because of that. Um, But when I got to Georgia, I had been suffering for years um, where I would just fall from these paralyzing states. And I was encouraged by my sister to finally go get it checked out. And what I learned was that my neck was twisted backwards. And I underwent nine months of therapy to have it reset and placed back correctly. And um, this had been years since I had left. But through all of that, um, it was just an injury that was just not visible. And I didn't know what the root was, but that was the ultimate cause of it. So those 14 order protections was accumulated in a seven-year span. But I had made up my mind in um, the third year that it was time to go. And that's actually sparked my mission for my current charity, um, the National Council on Family and Domestic Violence, where I provide scholarships to survivors and their immediate family members to help them go back to school. The admissions application fee is waived, and they receive a 15% savings on their tuition because my education was my way out. I was able to pursue my master's and continue to take care of my family, and that's my hope to help more women out there that are like me. And it's open for men that are also victims because I know firsthand my husband was the initial victim of domestic violence by my own hands. Wow. Mm. I really appreciate that, Alicia. Wow. Thank you. I, um, I, I would really like to talk to you when this show is over with um, about your charity and um, yes. some things that I'm doing to see if we can work together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, I learned about this um, this um, blog, um, excuse me, this <laughs> podcast through Matilda. Uh, we just recently worked together where we served the shelter. I love her heart. She's a true queen. Um, yes. And she made these ladies feel like straight royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, the only word yeah. I can describe is just it was magical. And um, she was a part of that. And these ladies are still basking in it. And so definitely I would love to continue. Yay. Good, good, good. I'm glad to hear that, okay. and we'll be talking for sure. <laughs> I want to ask you because sure. it seems like the people who are not familiar uh, or in touch with domestic violence, they always feel like, well, why don't they just leave? And we understand there are a lot of reasons behind that. But like in your mm-hmm. case, which which was the hardest for you? Finally, making up your mind to leave, or actually putting things in place? actually make that move? Um, The hardest part for me was realizing that I was a battered wife. Because I hit first, because I fought back, I thought that I was okay. I didn't think that Mm. I was a victim of domestic violence. And so once I came to the realization of 
this is who I was, this is what I was enduring, this was not normal, then I began to think differently and, and look at what my children were witnessing and thinking of a way out. I knew it wasn't going to get better, so I knew in order for me to stay in this marriage and, and, and um, have that financial support, there was things that I was just going to have to tolerate until I can get out. Wow. Wow. Well, you've addressed that's, that's several myths yeah. right there, yeah. you know, yeah. and I, I'm so glad you called in. I'm so Thank glad. You. Because, Thank you. Because people can, people can see now that it's not always what, what the media portrays. You know what I mean? When you, when right. you see shows on TV or in the movies and they portray a domestic violent situational relationship, they, it's always skewed to where one person is the aggressor and the other person is just a victim and they're cowering in fear and there's nothing that they can do about it. But it's so much deeper than that. There's so many different layers that people don't realize. And mm-hmm. it makes me, because I've, like I said, I've, I've witnessed domestic violence as young as the age of three years old and protected my grandmother at four from her husband who was beating on her. So mm-hmm. it it says to me that people need to stop thinking that they know what's going on and really right. find out first. You know, yeah, there's sometimes there's situations where whoever's being abused, whether it's a man, a woman, a child, a teenager, an elderly person in a same-sex relationship, whatever it is, there are times that these people want out. They can't do it by themselves. They don't know okay. what the steps are to take in order to get out and get help, or they're petrified. So, yes. and I understand, you know. So, yes. it, and though they they may not want you to ask or or pry into their business, there's a way that all of this can be done. There's a way that all of it can be done, and it's just a matter of being human. Well, may I also just make a point too? I'm I'm so glad that you're talking about the layers that's not addressed. Because one is the systemic um, re-victimization of the victim themselves. Mm-hmm. A lot of times mm-hmm. they will go to programs for help and they're mistreated. I currently right. volunteer with Monsters Law that came into effect um, November 2018, in which victims, crime victims, are now provided the same equal rights as their accused or their abuser. But what we've learned, once this was passed through legislation statewide, the counties have different laws that prevent this law from truly being in effect. So this is a systemic thing that no one is even looking at. Like, why can't we have everyone on the same page? If this passed on the state level, why is it not? penetrating through the court system on the county level. Exactly. So there are so many different levels or or layers. I like I like that that um that metaphor because it's like an onion. You peel it back and you learn more. Mm -hmm. And in this situation you have the victim being re victimized by the system when they go into a courthouse that does not um, respect a state law because their county laws um, are in conflict with it, and it can be made. so. Um, right. It it can be unified. It's just going to take some work. Wow. Now that just brings me to, um, it's like rape victims. 
you know, they don't come forward and tell that they've been raped because when they get on the stand, it's like they're, they're, they have to relive it again. And, and the prosecution and whoever else, they treat them like a victim all over again. And so it's like it happens three or four times before they finally get any justice, if they get any justice. And it's sad to That's me true. that something as widespread as domestic violence or abuse, because it, mm-hmm. it is an epidemic, it's, it's the widespread mm-hmm. epidemic there is, number one, because it crosses all socioeconomic lines, all demographics, yeah. all ages, all ethnicities, man, woman, child, elderly, whatever. It crosses every single solitary boundary there is. But people yeah. continue to sweep it under the rug. And I keep they trying do. to figure out why. You know, you have family members who have scars, and you ask them what happened, and they're like, oh, well, you know, me and Uncle so-and-so got in the fire and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, it was a domestic violence situation, and everybody else in the family is like, okay, well, don't get him angry, because, you know, that's why she got this scar. And I'm like, what? Or you got uncles who sit quietly while their wives are beaten the daylight side of them are verbally, psychologically abusing them. I know because I had this in my family. And I'm like, leave her. Just leave mm-hmm. her. But they have been yeah. traumatized. This, this is a man who has been so traumatized by this woman that he will not leave. Right. He buys her whatever she wants, when she wants it, does whatever he can to keep peace in the house so this woman doesn't rake him over the coals and abuse him psychologically, emotionally. So she never made her. It's more like the Stockholm Syndrome. You know, you, you yes. start to love your abuser. Yeah. And don't find anything wrong with that, what they've done. Right. And I, I think it's because they also, for me, you know, when your upbringing, maybe they saw it too. And it, it's a normal. Sometimes the normal is to certain people, you know, to be hit yeah. on. Because from growing up, they whooping you. I mean, at, at, the, at, at our household, my father was so joke. He was whooping us. You understand? And when I had my boyfriend and he put his hand on me, I was like, is it crazy? Why is he slapping me? And I was fighting back because I wasn't going to let nobody put my, their hand on me. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a second. If I continue on, and I was like probably seven months pregnant, leaving to catch the train, and he attacked me at the corner. Now, and, and all my friends were just saying, oh, Matilda was whooping him. But I was going to fight you back. And I was like, that's it. Wait a second. She's six months and this is what we're going through. And you put in your every time you get upset because I'm taking care of me. And mind you, he wasn't helping me with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I continue in this relationship, this is going to get crazy. Wait a second. And I left him. I called right. him one day. I said, listen, don't you ever get near me because I'm going to call everybody and mama and let them know <laughs> what's going on. But then I saw my, my brother got into it with him and found him because he saw what he did. But I whooped him every day that week around school because he worked around my school. Every day. Oh, yes. And, you know, my friends used to laugh until this day. And they'd be like, I remember Matilda. She was seven months pregnant. She was whooping her baby dad in the corner. But I was like, that's crazy. And, you know, I was upset because I was like, my dad can't even put his hand on me. I wish, you know. And it was like that attitude. Right. And I know that growing up I had this attitude because, again, my dad was rough with us. And he was whooping on us, too. I was like, I I don't want nobody else putting their hand on me. And I worked right. doing three jobs. So regardless of if I was in a relationship with anyone that had money, they couldn't buy me because I knew right. I had to take care of me. You understand? So exactly. my attitude was different. You know, I was with a, another guy for many years, big timer. 
And my friends used to say, but he's so fine, he got money. And you, I don't care about that. I work three jobs, because when he leaves, right. all of that is leaving with him. But then I have friends that were getting hit on, and they were pretty, but they didn't want to work. They wanted oh. all the, the, the fashion, and they were young, and they were getting whooped, black eyes, all kind of ribs messed up. And I was like, really? And I was young. Wow. And I said, I'm not letting nobody hit on me, but that was me. Even you know, but I was getting right. whooped at home, and I was like, no, I didn't want nobody else. I'm running from the people at home. <laughs> I'm gonna get somebody else to beat on me. Right. That's um. Mm. It's it's crazy but, how it it's crazy how it happens. You know. It's crazy how it happens, and we have to teach our children. It used to be yeah. we have to teach our daughters, but no, we can't do that anymore. No. We have to teach our sons and our daughters. Educate them. You have. We Verbal have to abuse. educate them. Verbal abuse, mm-hmm. especially verbal abuse, because while there's no physical scar, that verbal abuse leads to psychological scars, and it takes decades yeah. for those to heal. Yeah. Decades. Yeah. On top of just because there is, it's going on under one household, it doesn't yeah. mean that's a successful family. Because, mm-hmm. you know, even for the men and women who want to get out, there are some men who will tell you they feel like choking their spouse or they want to leave and they don't know how. But if people could realize that if you have two households at peace, that's better than one household under total dysfunction um, and something that could lead down the line to people losing their lives. Um, because while we talk about domestic violence and all of us are here to have this conversation, a lot, I mean a lot, the number is so massive, it's scary how many people just don't make it out. And Mm -hmm. the men in prison who say, well, they had a moment of insanity and the women the same, Um, because I've been on that end of the spectrum. When I was in college, I had my boyfriend cheat on me. And it was so devastating that I was angry, and I attacked him. And by the end of the ordeal, I had boxer fractures on both of my thumbs, and I had to go back to college like that and make my, and take my finals. And having to explain to every professor, you know, would I be allowed to have more time just really showed me, like, allow someone to make you insane and to step outside of your character is not a healthy thing. That may be your first sign to get out. Some people go way, way past that. Some people don't realize that may be your first sign to get out. Well, let me ask you this. What we we talk about, you know, what to do on the receiving end of domestic violence. What do you think it is that makes someone want to hurt a person they claim to really care about or love? Insecurity, um, embarrassment, control. I mean, I don't think that's one answer. I think it's so many different situations. Like when I, I remember when I, I came home from, from the Navy in 82, and I met this young lady the same night I, I came home, and we ended up uh, living together. But we got into an argument 
uh, one day about a soap opera. And she actually cut me with a liquor bottle. And I was like, oh, nope, that's that's it for me. I'm out of here because I'll, I'll kill this chick. And then I'll well, be locked gonna, up. Yeah, and I would have never met you. Imagine that. We wouldn't have no hey, You probably would have met me. I'd have probably like, nah. learned email and stuff. I would have emailed. We could have been like Nah, uh, nah. <laughs> there wouldn't have been no communication. Nah. Telling you, there would have been no communication at all. Even though you're cute, I still want to talk to you. Mm-mm. No, it wasn't going to happen. Okay. <laughs> but I do know that um, I did a book on domestic violence called Tales of Survival Domestic Violence. I think it was in 2017. I don't remember. Anyway, the book is on Amazon. But and you've written so many books, doing, it's hard to keep up with them, right? Yeah, right. But I don't dwell on that. But anyway, this particular book, I did a lot of behind-the-scenes research because I wanted it to be more of a a resource book for anyone who was experiencing domestic violence or who knew of someone who was experiencing it. So the first part of the book um, – gives real-life accounts, mine included, and a couple other people um, of their survival of domestic violence. And then the majority of the book is resources, Um, everything from myths to um, signs and symptoms to safety plans to national resources to everything that you could possibly think of. But what I learned while doing this book is that there is a cycle the domestic violence, you know, there's the, 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 the physical act or whatever it is, there's that act, and then there is the I'm sorry, I'm never going to do it again, um, then there's the what I call the honeymoon phase, you know, they're being all super nice to you and whatever, and then there's the phase where they say, oh, you did something to tick them off, and so they repeat the act again. So people who hmm. are prone to People who are prone to domestic abuse, I won't say violence because that conjures up an image of being hit or whatever, but abuse, they have, there's um, a psychological path that they travel on a regular basis, and that's why the abuse continues to happen. The bottom line is it's all about self-control. If you know that you're a person who gets triggered when, let's say, for instance, your significant other leaves the wet towel on the foot of the bed. If you know that triggers you, then fine. <laughs> you tell your, <laughs> you know I said that, you tell your significant <laughs> other that, that's, that that is something that really bothers you. And you let that person know just how much it bothers you. You don't show them, but you tell them. And then the two of you can work on it together. Because if you don't tell a person what the bottom line is, what the underlying issue is, how are they going to be able to help you? How can you work on it together in order to fix it so that it's mutually beneficial for both of you? And that was the thing that I really learned about doing that book, that it's all about self-control. Like for me, I had to control myself. I had to control my anger. Yeah. Well, but did the anger LJ, come from? I'm sorry. I, I just want to apologize the, the for anger. leaving that. 
leaving the wet towel at the foot of my side of the bed, and don't hit me no more, okay? Okay. I'm sorry, Matilda. Go ahead. No, no, it's fine. I apologize. I wanted to ask her, um, with with the anger issue part, which a lot of it can be like that because the the lack of communication, but also self control on how you was, Mm -hmm. you know, you're still holding on to things growing up. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody brings a baggage into a relationship and. You know, mm-hmm. you had your issues from home. That person had issues from home. So communication wasn't even something that was taught. So, you know, as you said, if you know there's something that triggers you, but when you're in the relationship, you know, some of us are not open with each other, you know? We're still pretending. Exactly. Exactly. We're still, like, and I like the way you said that, we're still pretending. You can't, my take on it is this. I can't be in a relationship if I'm not honest about who I am, if I'm pretending that I'm lying. If I'm lying, I don't need to be in a relationship because I'm not going to get that person's, I'm not going to get the true person either. If I'm pretending, I feel like they're pretending too. So if they're pretending, how are we both going to be able to come to a place where we mutually know each other? And you, you yeah. can't. So if you don't know each other, then you you can't have a relationship. That's just like Jazz knows that I got some crazy things that I do, OCD and stuff. (laughs) But he's okay with that and vice versa. Don't you say it. Don't you say it. (laughs) But but that's, that's why we could be in a relationship because we know the true person. You know what I mean? Um. And a lot of people, a lot of people don't do that because they're in that, you know, they think that I'll use um, school-age girls or boys, for example. They feel like, hey, when you have, um, you know, this guy or girl that you really like, that hey, um, you're in love. No, you're in like lust and infatuation first before you get to love, <laughs> because love is not blind. Love lets you care about that person emotionally very deeply, even though you see what you consider to be false. That's love. Infatuation is like, oh, I don't see that. That's dangerous. But love, on the other hand, is completely different. Guys, guess what? we got a caller that wants to talk. Jazz, do I have time? Yeah. Yeah, you've got time. Go ahead. I got time? All right, then hold on for me just a second. Come on, come on. My fingers aren't working today. I apologize in advance for that. Hello, caller 678. Oh, you're in Georgia. This is LJ. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. Who am I speaking to? It's me, Gia. How are you doing? Is everything going on all right over there? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for calling in. What is... um. Just off the top of your head, related to domestic violence, well, abuse, what is one of the biggest things that you think, um, well, we're doing myths today. Let me say that first. What is one of the myths that you think are are big in your mind? Timing, because no one wants to give each other the time to get to know one another. 
you hit it right on the head as I was with earlier. No one wants to take the time to get to know a person. They just want to jump right into it and then think that everything's supposed to be co- um, uh, honky-dory. Mm-hmm. When really you come to find out that he likes to leave his underwear all over the place mm-hmm. and don't take up or he might not, you know, flush the toilet as soon as possible. You find these little mm-hmm. things that you ignore in the beginning, and then you, when you start, you know, thinking that that's okay. No, it's not okay because these are little idiosyncrasies that get to your nerve, and it might pop off in the wrong way. I just right. had a situation with my daughter who was living with someone for five years, and all of a sudden he started cheating. Hmm. Little did he know that my child is, she's not going to go with anything that she doesn't feel comfortable with. So once he started talking crazy to her, she changed a lot, got his stuff together within a matter of two days, and put him out. She doesn't have time to Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. And so when I came and I came to find out that this was going on, she said, Mom, I'm okay. I just need him to be gone. I'm okay. So a lot of people don't even take that time to even be able to say stuff like that because nine times out of ten, well, what did I do wrong? How can I make it better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that they have to, they, that they can move on. Yes, you can. You're a young person. Yeah. Take the time to get to know yourself and then move on. But we don't, a lot of folks yeah. just don't. They just don't. Yeah. Because, well, I would because say they time. need that validation. Validation. There they it goes. Need, they need that validation for them uh-huh. to feel whole. And it's you have to be you first. You have to be you first. You can't work on somebody else, or you can't be in a, in a relationship if you aren't whole yourself. You have to be you first. So it starts from when they're young as well. So again, if you're up, growing up, a young adult, you're in a relationship, but in your household, it was toxic. It wasn't love. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't mm-hmm. mirror those things. You don't know that you're beautiful. You don't know that you're good enough. So when you get in a relationship, you're meeting that person because you're broken, you have issues, right. and you're probably meeting the same person that you're attracting to. So now at this point, exactly. we're growing up, and, and there's things that we didn't acknowledge because it was normal, so it was normal to talk to each other. What? What you want? No, with no respect, no boundaries, no order. Mm-hmm. So now... One of us start to shift and say, you know what, I don't like how you're talking to me because now I'm getting help or I'm around someone else that's pouring into me, teaching me things that are different, but you're still stuck. Mm-hmm. Now you're addressing it. Then you're aware, but awareness is everything. If the person has been, you know, growing up with all this noise, doesn't know the difference, how do they change that? See, your daughter, uh, and I'm sorry, Gia? Gia. Gia. Did I change? Yeah. So yeah. you took you you know you, she might have been around you, not not saying, you know you were there to pour into. She was able to mirror something differently, and she was able to make that change right away. But some young girls don't have that, and they That's sit right. and they're like, oh my god, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? What can I change? And let them come in and be cheating, and you're still in a toxic relationship because then. One day you're somewhere else, and you're going to pop off, and there they go, the abuse. Indeed. 100. Good point. 100. Good point. And then they become self. They, don't, they, they forgot what self-sufficient is. They forgot what it is to have to be dependent on themselves, and they depend on the man too much. 
thinking that that's what that's all that they have to have, and that's not true. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that is one of the things that the abuser usually stresses. That it's like nobody wants you, you and no one will treat you as good as I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you can't make that. it on your yeah. own. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. Thank you for having You are more than welcome. Thank you for calling Definitely. in. I, um, I was looking at this list. I, I told you I found this list online where there were 19, literally 19 myths related to domestic abuse. I would like to read them off to you guys if that's okay. Can I do that? Sure. Please do. Right. Okay. The first one. Victims are only young women. Two, couples counseling is the answer to stopping the abuse. Hold on, Jazz. What did you want to say? Nothing. You sure? Okay. Yeah. All right. Three, reproductive abuse doesn't exist. Four, it's not rape if you're married. Five, victims of abuse are weak. Six, financial abuse isn't real. It's a, parent's, it's a person's responsibility to be financially independent. Seven, if you're, if there's not a, bu- a bru- <laughs> bruise, it's not abuse. Eight, the survivor is exaggerating the abuse. Nine, abusers only become violent because they're intoxicated. Ten, the abuser must be mentally ill, have addiction problems, or something else. Eleven, abuse only happens among uneducated, low-income individuals. That was the one that really got me. Twelve, the abuse must not be that bad if the survivor is still with their partner. Thirteen, the survivor knew what they were getting into at the start of the relationship. Fourteen, victims don't care about their children if they stay in the relationship. Fifteen, both partners are probably abusive. 16, victims provoke the abuse. 17, by staying, a survivor is encouraging or tolerating abusive behaviors. 18, if a victim wanted the abuse to stop, they just leave. 19, men are the only perpetrators. Now, I have to say, out out of those myths, first of all, when I read some of those, I became highly, highly upset. Sound like because it was written by abusers. Exactly. That's what it sounds like. But this information came from the Arizona Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Abuse. Okay. These are some of the things they hear. So that's why they posted these myths. It says to me well, that I, society has no clue what happened. I mean, uh, number... I did hear two that could make sense, like especially um, a lot of people are in uh, domestic abuse relationships and don't know it when it's mainly riding on the verbal abuse. I know of couples who, when they talk, they cuss each other out all the time, call each other out of of names, and while there's no physical abuse there, um, psychologically, that has a, has a lot of weight on a person, mm-hmm. and that's an unhealthy relationship. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Uh, that's like we'll say, what reasons why I've never had to call 
fuck, I need to call my wife on her name. We have our little picks that we do with each other uh, to a point because you don't want to keep hitting on the same thing and it seems like you actually have an issue with it. But when you got to call somebody out their name, you know, then there's a problem there. Um, and you should never get so comfortable with it that you don't see that problem. I agree. I um. That's, I, go ahead, Jim. That's also a, a, a misnomer that if if they, because I keep saying to young people also, if you've not been taught how to be treated, how will you know to treat someone else? So they're right. used. I agree. To, if they're used to hearing their mother and boyfriends, mother and partners, mm-hmm. go back forward, and they don't know what it is to see Mima and Papa show love to one another, how can yeah. they express it to someone else? And unfortunately, that is what a lot of folks are seeing today or they're expressing mm-hmm. today. It's a, it's a valid point. You know, you need to check yourself, but it's also something that we need to try to install or instill back into our children mm-hmm. is showing love. Yes. yes. All right. All right. Diane. Well, we got one Diane. Left. How you want to wrap it up, LJ? No, let's keep yeah. going for a little we, bit. We can keep going. <laughs> yeah, this is a big conversation. <laughs> I, I wanted to also offer no, uh, for Alicia um, to also give up, um, give us some um, some information about um, her foundation as well. Right. Certainly. Um, the name of the organization is the National Council on Family and Domestic oh. Violence. And the website is www.ncfdv.org, ncfdv.org. And also um, the information, if they want to get education. Yes. There's a page up there that the uh, the tab is Derive Partnership page. And once they click on that, there will be a hyperlink where they can go ahead and register. And my point of contact, which is one of the deans at DeVry University, will verify that they are truly a client and a survivor of domestic violence through me. And then they will be able to go ahead and register for school and attend their classes and pursue their degrees or certificates, whatever their preference is. That is a phenomenal program, I have to say. Thank you. so much. Needed. Oh my goodness! Thank you. Thank you. I can't. I can't wait for us to work together. I can tell already. We're gonna do some stuff anyway. LJ, you wanted to ask me something, but definitely, Alicia, we need your information. Um, yeah. Yes. yes. You want the one yes. yes. What? Yes, please. Okay. It's the National Council on Family and Domestic Violence, and the website is www.n ncfdv.org, ncfdv.org. I have to say she gave an amazing, amazing day of love for these women. When I said from setting up the table, from the food, the makeup, the gifts, the information that was poured into, and all of this was as a group. So it takes a village to give back and when I say she did phenomenal with all her team, I was, I, again, I'm very thankful to have met you, Alicia. And now, you, you know, like you say, you, with LJ, Coach, Lady D, we, 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 we just want to thank you for coming on and giving us, you know, your information and 
Again, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. This this um, topic right here is very important. So I thank you all for recognizing it. And Matilda, you're such a queen. Um, thank you for giving those ladies one day of hope. That right there was our goal. And because of the love that you shared with them and how you just helped to pamper them and remove all of their worries from what was going on outside of the event hall, it was achieved. So thank you, sis. You're such a queen. Love you to life. It was out of out of love, you know, when you can relate, you can help, you know, when yeah. you go through stuff, you know, you can give back genuinely because you want to give them that love that you also know you wanted as well. So it was just all of it was the creator. I didn't, you know, like I said, I have a support team that always gives me love and pushes me. So my goal that day wasn't to bring anything but just to serve. And I had a good time translating, having fun and just mingling. <laughs> And the mashed potatoes was awesome, you know. I was eating too, so it was good. We had a good time. Everything was put together beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. That was God be the glory. We got to give him praise for it. It's, yeah. I was just always. a vessel. We were all vessels being used. Right. We are. Mm-hmm. Diana, I um, also want to Di- share my uh, – go ahead. Yes. You're probably about to do what I was going to ask you. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was just going to say that too. They Facebook. need to get <laughs> – I was already taking her information. <laughs> um, I would like to share my foundation as well yes. um, with everyone so that they can navigate to the Facebook page. Um, I don't know if Talia is still on the line. Talia was one of the first survivors to tell her story when I started the foundation back in 2015. So even as of right now, I don't have an administrative person to run that page, but this foundation is true and dear to my heart. It's the Carla M. Miller Foundation, and this foundation was formed because of three women who I know personally who suffer the most outrageous physical domestic violence, and in honor of them, one of the victims actually had to kill her attacker and sit in Mm. his blood for eight hours. And we want to do a film because we want girls to know that the protection goes beyond just putting someone out. That person Mm. can come back. So the vigilance that goes along with maybe having another relative come and stay with you for a couple weeks, maybe Mm. even changing your location, not saying just down and down and giving up your space. But the Carla Miller Foundation is formed because of just that. So it's kind of hard, too, for people to put their information, and they think that someone's going to go through their phone, is going to go through their email. So if you go there, there's 1-800 numbers that you can contact from anywhere. It doesn't have to be a cell phone for you to get help. There are organizations of people who will actually come and get you um, Mm -hmm. and have resources to help you get out of your state because sometimes it takes that. It takes that entire relocation. It takes maybe that person being put behind bars because the seriousness of some people come back and they come back to kill just at the mere fact that you no longer want to be with them. So I encourage everyone to go to that page, put it out there, let people share their story. You could be helping someone else. And I can't wait to work with you guys so we can help more people, more survivors. 
So that's the Carla M. Miller Foundation. Follow our Facebook page. You guys, I got so engrossed in this conversation. I was slipping and forgot to post on the Conversations on Real Life Facebook page that we were live. My bad to everyone. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I got so engrossed in the conversation, I forgot to normally, you know, I go on and say, hey, we're live now. Here's the number. Blah, blah, blah. I forgot to do any of that. So I just posted it probably about five minutes ago. Um, and I also wanted to mention that because we have this page on Facebook, we also list resources there on that page. We talk about these things. Um, after this podcast is done today, we'll still be having conversations about it. That's what that's why the podcast is called Conversations. So don't think that just that if you didn't hear the podcast that that's it, that's, that's the last time we're going to talk about it because that's not the case. You can certainly – chime in on the Facebook page and once we get everything set up, the Instagram page as well, and you are more than welcome to um, give us your thoughts, your comments, your suggestions, and your feedback. We want to hear all that. We want you to be a part of the conversation. Please yeah. do that. So, Jess, you said we will, we should be uh, ending. Is that what you were trying to tell me? <laughs> and I wasn't listening. That's what he was trying to say. Look, see, he's saying <laughs> Awesome show, guys. I hope you're awesome keeping it going. <laughs>